Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. To be in your house and to worship you. We ask that your spirit would open our hearts and our minds. We ask that you would come in a powerful way and move in and through us. Lord, help us to be open, open to questions, open to your answers, open to new understanding. Lord, help us to hear your voice and respond to you. Thank you for all the blessings you give us for another day to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans, and we're going to be looking at actually chapter 13. I know your bulletin says 12. Um, That was just the beginning of the struggles that we are facing this morning. (laughs) Um, I had given the wrong scripture to Anne, so that's why your bulletin is wrong, and uh, Praise God, last night I noticed that all that was wrong, or yesterday morning I guess it was, all that was wrong in our, our video stuff, so hopefully that works. Um, and you know, technology is a wonderful thing. When it doesn't work, it's the most frustrating thing. And I, I wonder if Jesus sometimes feels the same way, you know what I mean? He thinks his children are the most wonderful thing, but when they don't work... I bet you he gets awful frustrated. Uh, praise God that he loves us so much, that he's willing to keep, keep at it with us and teach us his love and his grace. Our scripture lesson this morning from uh, Paul's letter to the church at Rome, starting with verse 8 of chapter 13. Paul writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man is, has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of of the sinful nature. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing. Um, here at Greenfield uh, Baptist Church, we have a, a mission statement. Um, and I, I believe that most of you have a clue what that mission statement is. Um, And maybe I'm being optimistic. Um, But if you would remember, if you would recall, I'm sure it would be in the front of your your head, uh, that we are called to be neighbors, right? Make neighbors and build God's neighborhood. Thank you. Yes, many of you remembered that. (coughs) And of course, that's based on that story in Luke chapter 10. 
where Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. You remember that, right? The, the, uh, the Pharisee comes to him and, and wants to know, the teacher of the law comes to him and wants to know um, uh, what must he do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus says, well, you should love God and love each other, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells that story. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Where, where the, the, the guy is beat up on the side of the road and the religious folk go by and they go by on the other side. The Samaritan, who's the, uh, the, the bad. bad guy, would be seen as a bad guy, so to speak, um, comes by and sees the man who's hurt and takes care of the man. And then Jesus, at the end of the story, asks the teacher of the law, so who was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert of the law says, well, rather than saying the name Samaritan, he, he uh, tries to walk around that and says, well, the, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. So Jesus calls us to be neighbors, right? That's what he calls us to do, be neighbors. A- and we get some idea of what that is as we go through the story of the Good Samaritan. But there's so much more to being a neighbor, isn't there? And I believe that the Apostle Paul is trying to flesh out for us in chapters 12 and 13 of the book of Romans how to be a neighbor. How can you go about being a neighbor? Now, when you think of neighbors, uh, what makes a good neighbor? Somebody tell me, what makes a good neighbor? What's that? Kindness. Kindness makes a good neighbor. Yeah. Someone who's there and not underfoot. Good answer, good answer. Anyone else? How about the balcony? What makes a good neighbor? I always like to go to the balcony. See, they, they're up there. They think I don't see them. John? They give away free zucchinis. <laughs> Kenny, aren't you his neighbor? Well, that's, that's better than throwing them at your neighbor. <laughs> that's better than throwing them at your neighbor. Uh, someone who's giving, someone who's caring, someone who, uh, who is willing to help, someone who, uh, a good neighbor is someone you can live next to in peace and in security. Uh, a good neighbor is someone who's there when you need them, but, but not, in, not infringing on you. Uh, a good neighbor is someone who really cares about you. Th- this morning we want to think about whether, first of all, we are neighbors. Are we actually being neighbors? What does that look like? And not just for the person you live next to. You see, Jesus was trying to get us beyond that. That's what we want to say. Well, the person who is close to me, I have to be nice to them. Okay, it's hard. We live next to them, and they may not be the nicest people, but I can deal with that. It's the person at work that drives you nuts. It's the person at school that gets in your face. It's the person at, at home that just, you can't take it anymore. Those are the people. It's the people that are hurting, the people that are afraid, the people that are lost. These are the people to whom we are to be neighbors. What's that look like? How can we actually be neighbors? Now, it's interesting to me that Paul has been going through a whole number of things that we can do that I believe helps us be neighbors in chapter 12, and I skipped all those things. But I want you to hear a couple of them. They come at the end of chapter 12 because I think it's important to help us put this in context. At the end of chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, listen, if someone is due something, you should give it to them. In other words, and these are words of wisdom, so I put the, uh, 
Uh, for those of you who are younger, you don't recognize this person. Uh, but for those of you who watched, what is it, Home, Home Improvement all those years, this was the wise neighbor who hid behind the fence and, and was there but wasn't underfoot. And so the Apostle Paul says, hey, you need to give to people what is due them. And you need to give to people what you owe them. Now, he talks about authorities who are over you. He's talking about civilian authorities. And sometimes this gets really hard, right? Because you look at them and say, well... But the Apostle Paul says, you still need to give to them, respect them, honor them. And then he goes on a step further, and this one will catch some of you. And pay your taxes, he says. Pay your taxes. I hear Christians all the time. I'm not going to pay my taxes because I don't like what they're doing with my money. Well, I get that. And there are a lot of times I don't like what they're doing with my money. But the Apostle Paul doesn't say, and if you don't like what they're doing with your money, then don't pay your taxes. He simply says, pay your taxes. We're called to give what we owe. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says, don't be in debt to anybody. He wants us to be debt-free neighbors. Don't owe anybody anything. And if you do, pay it off as quickly as possible. Now, we frequently think of debt as money, right? Well, I owe you know, so much money to this person or to this bank or to this credit card or or to everybody I know. Um, We frequently see it as money. But the Apostle Paul is going a step further here. Jesus wants us to be debt-free when it comes to our relationships. He wants us to be debt-free when it comes to our relationship with God. And that's really the start of being a neighbor, is to begin to be debt-free. I put this slide up here because Christmas is coming, folks. And if you want to be debt-free this Christmas, um, you might want to start now. Should have already started, huh, Kenny? Well, maybe. Uh, but when we look at debt, it's not just money, okay? We're talking about indebtedness to others, giving them what they owe or what we owe them. Okay? So uh, to be a neighbor, we want to be debt-free neighbors. Uh, the Apostle Paul says there's only one place you should still be in debt. Did you catch that? That that was our first verse there, eight. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to what? Love one another. See, you closed your Bibles or you didn't open them. Love one another, for for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The only debt that should remain outstanding is that you should love each other. Now, that's interesting because did you know that you owed it to someone to love them? The only reason anyone should owe a love debt is if they are in debt, right? You with me? Stick with me. This is getting really confusing. You'll love it, okay? This is how we became in debt. You see, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He displayed his incredible love for us while we were still his enemies, while we were still sinners. Christ, in his great love for us, died for us so that we could be forgiven, You see, when we sin, we separate ourselves from God. We become enemies of God. When we do anything, say anything, think anything that goes contrary to the word of God, to God's will, then we have sinned. You say, well, I didn't didn't know. That doesn't matter. 
<laughs> I, I, I tried that once. I was driving down the road, and a cop came up behind me, and he pulled me over. You ever try this one? And he came up, and he said, do you know what the speed limit is? I said, no. So, of course, he said, oh, in that case, let me share with you, and you can go on. No, that's not what he did. <laughs> you see, just because I didn't know didn't mean I wasn't responsible. In the same way in our relationship with God, just because you don't know doesn't mean you're not a sinner. Anytime you say, think, or do something that goes contrary to the will of God, you have sinned. And the scripture says the wages of sin is death. The good news is God doesn't zap you dead right then because he loves you so much. And in that love, what he did was he sent his son to die in your place. He said, I'm going to make atonement. I'm going to make a sacrifice to pay the price for you. I'm going to pay your debt. And so Jesus paid our debt on the cross. And because he paid our debt, the only one we owe anything to now is Jesus Christ. But what we owe him is love. And the way we, the way we pay that debt back is to love one another. And it's not like I love you because I have to, because Jesus loved me. I love you because I have been transformed by the love of God. And he has made me a person who wants to love. Is that the kind of person you are? Someone who wants to love? Now here's the key. See, when, when, we, when we sin, we, we buy into the whole process of, of the evil one. And that process says, it's not about you, it's about me. And it's not that I want to love you, it's that I want to love me. You see, that, that's what the evil one does. He twists everything around, right? He points it back, and we start looking at ourselves. I want what I want. Instead of truly wanting to love you. When Jesus comes into our lives, he begins to transform us. We begin to love like he loves. You see, he loved us not because we were lovely, not because of who we are. He loved us because of who he was, is, Right? That's why he loves us, because of who he is. Because God, in his incredible personhood, is a person who loves. He loves you, and he loves me. And he, you look at your life, and you say, well, he shouldn't love me, but he does. And when he comes into your life, then he begins to transform you so that you can look at others, and it's not about them. You see, that's the way we usually think about love, right? I have people come into my office all the time. I don't love him anymore. I don't love her anymore. Well, why not? Well, because they, well, wait, what's that got to do with it? Well, I can only love them if they, what? No, 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 no. Because love is you. If you are willing to be transformed by the love of God, then you can love everybody. Because he has changed you, not them. It's not based on what they do, how they react, what they say, how they look. It's based on you. It doesn't matter where they came from. Doesn't matter what color skin they have. Doesn't matter what position they have in this world. You can love them. Doesn't mean, doesn't matter how stupid things they say. Doesn't matter how dumb they do their lives. It doesn't matter how, uh, how much in, their, in your face they are. You love them. Why? Because you have changed. Not because they're different. Once you change, then God instills in you a desire to love. 
are you a neighbor? Neighbors love. Neighbors love because they are in this debt of love. They're in debt to Jesus for love, and he has transformed them and set them free so they can love. Let me give you an example that's kind of, kind of out there a little bit, so walk with me a little bit, okay? A guy named Eddie Redden, Redenbacher would find himself every Friday out on the docks feeding the seagulls. He did that till he died in 1973. This is an old story. Stick with me. You see, Eddie did that because he felt a debt. In 1942, he was shot down. Uh, well, he ditched his B-17 uh, in, the <clears throat> in the Pacific Ocean. And he and his eight crew were able to survive the crash and had gotten in their life raft, and they were afloat. And they had enough provisions for about four days. They made them last seven. And on the eighth day, they had nothing. And they were getting awful hungry and trying to survive. They had no water. They had no food. They were in the middle of the ocean, and pretty much all hope of being rescued was gone. There was a man in the group who was fairly religious, and, and every day they would say their prayers and do a little worship service. But on the eighth day, it was very difficult. They went through the motions, and Eddie laid back with his hat over his head to take a nap because there was nothing else to do. He wasn't quite asleep when he felt something on top of his head, and he slowly opened his eyes, and he couldn't see what was on his head, but he could see the reaction of the others in the raft, and he realized that there was a bird on his head. And so, as quickly as he could, he grabbed the bird and killed it. And they were able to gut it and eat it, and then they took the intestines and they used it for bait. And they were able to catch fish, and they were able to survive. And they lived to tell about it. And so every Friday, Eddie would go out to the pier and feed the seagulls to remind himself of the seagull who gave his life for him. We come here this morning as followers of Jesus Christ, not, not because we, we want to feel better, not because we think we should get something. We come here to give thanks to Jesus who paid the price for us, the sacrifice for us so that we could live so that we could live and love like he has loved us that's part of being a neighbor being indebted to love one another second of all I, it's not just being indebted to love but the, the interesting about neighbors is neighbors always act like neighbors did you notice that neighbors act like neighbors they don't just say well i'm your neighbor but i'm going to act any way i want they act like neighbors they try to respond like a neighbor would respond. Look at verse 10 with me. It says, do no harm. Do no harm. Now, I find that's, that interesting because I can do no harm by simply ignoring you. And some people read that and they get all excited. Oh, good. I don't have to follow all these commandments and I can just ignore you. But that's not what Paul means by doing no harm. Doing no harm goes a step beyond. Doing no harm means that you're willing to be at peace with each other. In Romans 12, he wrote, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Is that how you respond? 
So you're driving down the road, and the guy cuts you off, and you say, God bless you. Be at peace. Yeah. So the person at work backstabs you, and you say, hey, God bless you. Is that how you respond? Are we really people of peace? Or are we just as ready to attack, just as ready to be on the offensive, just as ready to go at, just as ready to harm because we have been harmed? Oh, how quick it happens. Oh, how quick it comes out. I've been watching the Olympics. Anybody here watch the Olympics? The Olympics are great. Nations are together. We hate each other, but we're having fun together. Isn't it great? And so nation runs against nation. You see these moments that are just incredible. You know, uh, the, the nation that hates the other nation, the one falls down, the other one picks him up, and they run together. And you say, oh, isn't that great? Oh, it's wonderful. And then you turn the station and the news is on, and they say, and this nation has now attacked that nation. We love each other. You see, the Scripture calls us to be, Jesus calls us to be, peacemakers. Peacemakers. Where is it? Matthew 5 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says, for they will be called, what? Children of God. We should be making peace. Our world should see us as peacemakers. You know what's exciting? There's a guy named Dan Buttry. He's an American Baptist. I know that's kind of way out there, but you'd be surprised. He's one of those American Baptists that I really like. He teaches people how to make peace with other people, and he works on national scales. He's worked with, with nations that have hated nations for years. He's worked with the Serbs. He's worked around the world trying to get people to actually be at peace with one another. He worked with one young man. Kid's 22 years old. His name's Boaz. Boaz lives in Kenya. He's a part of the Tarkana tribe. And the Tarkanas and the Potoks have been at, work, at war for years. And this is why. You see, as a, a Tarkana, if you want to marry your, your true love, you have to pay the bridal price. And the father of the bride usually has a bridal price somewhere around 20 head of cattle. Most everybody of marrying age in the Turkana tribe has two or three head of cattle. So way back, someone had this great idea. I only have two or three, but the Bokadas have more. So I will go and take 20 or 30 from them, and I can not only marry my loved one, but I have a few left over. Well, you can imagine the Bokadas, they didn't like that. And so they decided, well, if you're going to steal my 20 or 30, I'm going to go steal 20 or 30 from you. It's only right. It's only justified, right? Does that sound familiar? That's how it happens, isn't it? You bumped into me. You cut me off. You stabbed me in the back. So, Boaz decides he's going to go to this peacemaking conference that Dan Buttry puts together. And when he gets done, he realizes our two tribes need to do something different. This is crazy. 22 years old. He comes back. He gets with the elders of the Pocato tribe and the 
Turkana tribe. And he brings them together and he puts together the, the process that Dan Buttry has put together. And guess what? Today, the Pukatas and the Turkanas are friends. You know why? Because Boaz had a love for Jesus and he knew what it was like to be a neighbor. It meant that you brought peace. Our world is full of violence. And that violence doesn't just happen overseas or in Milwaukee. That violence doesn't just happen in Erie. You see, that violence happens in some of our homes today because of the way we treat each other. It doesn't necessarily mean we hit each other or that we slap each other, but our words are just as painful and almost as hurtful. Are we really living as neighbors? Are we really providing peace? See, if we're going to be neighbors, we've got to have that debt to Jesus, but we also have to act like neighbors, be peacemakers with each other. And then finally, um, uh, if we're really going to be neighbors, we've got, to, we've got to dress in style, don't we? You want to look good if you're going to be a neighbor. You want to put on, uh, by the way, I was looking at these styles. They, they said this was last year's winter styles. Um, those people obviously, those ladies obviously do not live in Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> They'd freeze to death. <laughs> but, but what's it mean to, to be in style as a neighbor? What's it mean? Well, the scripture is very clear. In our passage this morning, Paul says, put on Jesus Christ. I want you to hear that. He says, put on Jesus Christ. Uh, that's important to hear because this is what we want to do. We want to take in Jesus Christ, right? Jesus, we pray, come into my heart. We used to sing that chorus when I was a kid. That was like the, the ultimate edge when I was a kid. Into my heart, into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. That's a wonderful image. I, I want Jesus to come into my life. I want him to bless me. I want him to touch me. I want him to fill me. I want him to be in my life. <coughs> me. I want him to be in. The Apostle Paul says, put on. Do you get the difference? Put on. Listen carefully. Put on. In Colossians 3, verse, verses 12 through 14, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, do what? Okay, come on, guys. Stick with me. Do what? Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive each other as if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, do what? Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Put on Jesus Christ. How about this one? Uh, Ephesians 6.11. Put what? Do what? Put on the full armor of God. You're getting it. Yeah, so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. And in 1 Peter 5.5, 5, you know this one in the same way. You who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you do what? Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And we could go on and on, right? Well, he's put on the full armor of Christ. Put, do you see the difference? Folks, Jesus is not underwear. He's your outer garment. Put him on. In other words, clothe yourself. Be a, an example of Christ. Wear him as if he is on the outside. And in order to do that, you've got to take off the dirty clothes you've got on right now. 
doing things for yourself, doing things because you want it done, doing things to gratify your own desires. The Apostle Paul says, take that stuff off, put on Jesus Christ. You want to be a neighbor? You need to be putting on Jesus, sharing him, being an example. People should look at you and see Jesus. If I were to ask you what color jacket I have on this morning, could you tell me? If I could ask you, what colored shoes do I have on? Could you tell me? <laughs> well, look. <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because it's obvious, it's visible. If you are to be a neighbor, you see, Jesus comes into your life and he takes care of all that crud in your life. And, and you are then indebted to him by his love for you. And then as a result of that, you want to share that love with other people. And as you share that love with other people, you show them what it is to really be at peace with one another. Peace in your life and peace in theirs. You bring Jesus to them. And then as you walk around, people say, hey, look at that. There goes that funny guy or that funny woman. They act differently. They're not about themselves. They're about caring for others like a guy named Jesus, as a matter of fact, Jesus is constantly on their lips. You can't talk to them without them mentioning Jesus at some point. Is that how it is in your life? Are you a neighbor? A lot of times we want Jesus inside. Jesus wants to be outside. And listen very carefully, folks, because the world wants us to put Jesus inside, doesn't it? You go to work and they tell you, you can't mention Jesus here. I mentioned Buddha, Confucius. Muhammad, but you can't mention Jesus here. They want Jesus on the inside. You go to school, they say, well, we can't talk about Jesus here. We can talk about Darwin, we can talk about Hawkins, we can talk about Dawkins, we can talk about Jesus here. You see, they want us to put Jesus on the inside. Why does Satan want Jesus on the inside? Yeah, because Jesus on the outside is a powerful force. It changes the world. It changes our world. And it changes us. What about you? Are you a neighbor this morning? If you were to take the Scripture's understanding of neighbor, would you fit in? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you asked Him to forgive you have you accepted his love for you because that's really where it all starts are you busy working for peace or working for yourself are you busy showing the world the love of jesus let's bow for a word of prayer lord jesus you challenge us in so many ways your love is so incredible Help us, Lord, to draw from your love. Change us, Lord. Change us to truly feel love and share love. Lord, may we be the ones who bring your peace in situations that are full of anger, hurt. Lord, come into our lives. And move us in such a way that the world would see you in us. Lord, we, 
we commit our lives to you again this morning. And we thank you that you gave yours for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.